for a corn dog right now. Anybody else feeling that way? Corn dog, some elephant ears. I don't know. It's the fairgrounds, right? We need some greasy food and some sugar to make us feel better. So, uh, hey, I see a motorhome over here. I think this is Donald Joss. Is that right? So if you need the bathroom, no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I was thinking about this morning, and I was thinking about how this reminds me of Dr. Seuss's book, Green Eggs and Ham, you know, the, the great rhyming book. Uh, you know, where can I worship Jesus? I can worship Jesus in a house, or I can worship Jesus with a mouse. I can worship in a car. I can worship near and far. I can worship in a chair, and I can worship at the fair. Yes. So I can worship Jesus anywhere. And many of you are worshiping Jesus at home, so thank you for being with us, church at home, this morning. I know a lot of folks with little kids, they're like, no way am I going to be an hour in a car with my kids. So uh, thanks for coming, but also thanks for being there as well. So this morning, we can't really say amen and hear everybody saying amen. So when I say amen, I want you to honk your horn, okay? Let's practice. Amen. There you go. Right on. And if you're at home this morning, just say amen with me. Well, just a little bit about me. I think you know most of my story, but I grew up in Linden, so I grew up every year, literally every year, spending every day at the fair for years. In fact, John Garberg, one of my best friends, lived right behind this stage in that house on Stremler Drive, and we used to go to his house and once in a while climb the fence, you know, as kids will do before the barbed wire. I had a lot of fun here, but when it was time for the fair, my brothers always showed cattle. And so I would come and get a free pass. Uh, it was cheap babysitting for mom. She'd send us to the fair, take your bike to the fair. Uh, it was a different times, right, back in those days. And literally, we would spend every day at the fair. It was so much fun. One year, Danny Notaboom, who was a local farmer, uh, allowed me to sleep with his cows. Like back in the day, you could stay in the cow barn and sleep with your own cows. So he paid me in food and a fair pass to sleep with his cows. That was the best summer ever. So much fun. Uh, not the first time for me on this stage. I was on this stage with a men's worship team one time for a men's worship conference. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So I want to take a moment and just thank so much our technical team that spent literally hours and hours and our creative team putting this day together for us. Would you honk for them this morning? They just did an amazing job. So good. So good. And then our happy Parkers and our our, uh, our uh, emergency response team. Would you honk for them as well this morning? Doing a great job. So it's great to be together, even though it's kind of weird to be preaching to cars. I've got to be honest. It's, I'm really glad I know you're in those cars because this is weird. It really is. Yeah, if we have a car that wants to get saved, we can do a car wash, get them baptized, you know, the whole thing. Uh, we're a full a full service deal here today. But I have missed most, as you know, gathering with you. And so this is something we wanted to do, just get you out of your houses, gather together. And I've mostly missed just hearing your voices and our hearts worshiping Jesus together. There's something different about being in a room with all of y'all's voices together. Amen. It's so true. Yeah. So, so we were created to worship God 
And our worship is simply a response to his love. That's what worship is. It's simply me saying, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your grace. But we were, we were created not just to do that alone, but to do that together. We were created to worship him together. And I want to talk a little bit about that today and what it really means to be a, a worshiper in these times that we live in after the last couple of weeks that we've been through together. Uh, it's so hard when we can't worship together. And I know we all, we all long for that uh, because I believe it's, it's our eternal design to worship God together. You know, when the Apostle John was on the island of Patmos, he was all by himself, uh, which proves that God can meet you in your own personal worship because he was alone and God shows up in a vision, right? And so John writes down this vision and he gives us this beautiful picture of what worship is going to look like in heaven. And I want to start there today because it's important that we understand what worship looks like in heaven. Here it is, Revelation 7, 9. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes, all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and standing before God. Now, to me, the beauty of worship is that it will be from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language. And I ask the question, how did John know that these people were from all these different tribes? You know, different languages, of course, but I believe that they were all different colors. And how many of you know that heaven is going to be many colors? How many of you know that really white's going to be the minority in heaven? And worship of Jesus, worship of the Lamb is going to be a beautiful expression of every tongue, tribe, and nation, and language. You know, God created Adam in the Middle East, not the Pacific Northwest. And if you're Dutch here, here, here today, I just want to remind you that Jesus was Hebrew, not Dutch. So sorry to break it to you, but that's just the way it is. And the vision that God gave John was of unified worship in heaven. That's God's heart. It's God's goal that we'd be unified in our worship. We'd be reconciled to him. So it makes sense to me that Satan, who is the enemy of God and who is the enemy of heaven, would do all that he can to mar this beautiful picture of heaven and to break down and to tear down the beauty of worship as God has designed it. And that's exactly what Satan's been up to again in these last couple of weeks. And it's never ended. It's never gone away. But it's been intensified these last few weeks as it should be. You know, the vision God gave John was of unified worship of the church. And Satan attempts to divide the church, to tear us apart, to rip us apart. And Satan has always attacked our world through racism. But racism, if you remember this morning with me, racism at its simplest form is just any sense of, of superiority that I might feel, even if it's buried deep in my soul, any sense of superiority I might feel about someone from a different race, different color, different culture. That's, that's racism at its simplest form. And I think that like any other sin, we all struggle a little bit with that in our lives. Every race struggles with that. And any privilege that one enjoys simply because you were born a certain color. I think we can call that racism. And for me, I want to add something to it because I, I think this is true for me. Any fear or apprehension that I feel about someone of another color, another race, I think can be a form of racism. You know, some of us here in the crowd today are Dutch. And as Dutch, we like to throw around this little term, this little rhyme that says, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't 
Much, right. Some of you have heard that term. And I know we say it in fun and I know it's, you know, it's probably innocent. But think about being a person on the other side of that, that innocent, fun remark and how that could feel to somebody when we throw that around. I've said that. I've said that in, in jest. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. And I think it's a good time for us to maybe think a little more about what it feels on the other end of things we might say or things we might think. And the point I want to make this morning when we talk about worship, because it ties together, is that racism's always there in our hearts. And it just takes an act of violence, like with George Floyd's death, for it to boil over and for it to become highly, highly emotionally driven, which it is and which it should be. Um, so racism is tied to worship. You know, Jesus prayed for the Father's will, that it would be done on earth as it was in heaven. And the Father's will in heaven is unified worship, every tongue, tribe, and nation. And, you know, I believe that racism is anti-Christ. Racism is anti-heaven. And that's why as followers of Christ and followers of Jesus and wanting God's will on earth, I believe we need to pay attention, especially in these times when we have this amazing opportunity to rise up and respond as followers of Christ. My personal worship, who I am as a person and how I worship Jesus, must reflect heaven's goal. God's goal for worship. And so my goal or my worship is profoundly personal. That's number one in your notes this morning, that, that your worship, my worship, first and foremost, is profoundly personal. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. What's the word profound mean? Profound means that it extends deep below our hearts, deep into our lives. It's profound in us. It's the deepest parts of us. True worship comes from the deepest parts of me. You know, uh, rising up and boiling out like living water is true worship. But true worship then also exposes the other things that are in the deepest parts of me. Things like all, all kinds of sin that we could talk about. Worship exposes that and it invites us to change. Worship invites us to respond to the God who loves us. And God tells us how to worship. He gives us a commandment. Jesus said that you must love the Lord God with all that you are. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Really, I believe that our love for God is proven by how we love our neighbor. Are we really loving our neighbor as ourselves? Paul defined worship in Romans 12, not as singing together in church, as, as good as that is, or not as singing together in cars, as fun as that is, not as honking horns, as fun as that is. But Paul described worship as this. He said, offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So true worship, family, is, is profoundly personal. It's sacrificial. It requires examination of our heart when we come and worship God. And true worship, I believe, is living the new commandment. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to say, I'm a worshiper of Jesus, then it clearly includes loving our neighbor. Now, last week I was out barbecuing chicken. Anybody done that yet this year? Let me hear you. Good. So there's chicken, but then there's real chicken, right? And real chicken has the skin on it. I love chicken skin. That's the best part. I also love the tail. I know that's weird, but I love the tail. And so I'm barbecuing some real chicken, and I 
I sit down and talk to, with my wife for a few minutes, and I've just turned the chicken over, so it's skin side down. All of a sudden, my wife says, hey, honey, the barbecue's on fire. Has that ever happened to anybody else? So I turn around, and there are flames shooting out of every orifice in the barbecue. I mean, they're shooting out, and there's smoke. I kid you not, it's billowing up. And I run over, I grab my barbecue, I pull it away from the house. I feel the house, and it's hot to the touch, you know, and right then my phone buzzes. And, of course, we know we have to stop everything to check our phones, don't we, right? So I stopped everything, barbecue's on fire, chicken's burning up. I look at my phone, and it's Todd Grace. Well, Todd lives just two roads over. Hi, Todd, good to see you. Todd lives just two roads over, and he texts me, and he says, is your house smoking? And I'm like, and he says, if it's your barbecue, I'll understand. And I text back, I said, yeah, chicken on the barbie. And Todd texts back, and he goes, ha, ha, good. I'm glad that's all it is. And I said, you can really see that from there? And he said, yeah, it was a lot. You know, and my point with that story is this, that God wants people to look at us from a distance and to see the smoke and the fire of our love, not just for him, but for the people in our lives, our neighbors, those that we're around. God wants when people look at us to see us smoking hot for Jesus and then smoking hot to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's what God wants people to see. God wants people to text us and say, hey, are you on fire? You know, are you just in love with Jesus? You know what I mean? God wants people to see my expression of love toward my neighbor. And in these days that we're in today, God especially wants people to see my love toward my black neighbor, my brown neighbor, my beige neighbor. And if you're black, brown, or beige, God wants people to see your love to your, to your white neighbor. God wants us to worship him personally by the way we love our neighbor. Personal worship, listen, personal worship always expresses itself in love. And right now in these times, uh, we're being called to love like we haven't seen in a few years. Uh, we're being invited into what another race experiences. And what I'm hearing from people these days is that one way we can love is simply to listen. And by the way, that's the first rule of counseling. When I deal with relationships or marriages, the first rule is to listen to understand. And it's also true when it comes to understanding what our neighbor goes through. Listen to understand, but also listen to learn. What are other people of other colors experiencing? And then listen to repent from the sin of racism, no matter how small it might be. Maybe it's just fear. Learning to repent from that and saying, God, I'm sorry. May I love better than I have before. This is a time when we can either settle back and not change, or this is a time when we can allow the intensity of our world to press us into change and love better than we've ever loved before. And I believe that's what God always wants us to do. So this week I took the time to listen to a great message by a pastor named Ricky Jenkins. Ricky's the pastor of Southwest Church in Palm Desert, California. And actually several of our people, some in the crowd this morning, that's your other church, right? When you're down there in the winter, I know Toby and Kelly are here, that's their other church. And they go and they listen to Ricky preach. And Ricky preached this great sermon uh, last weekend in response to what's happening in the world 
And I would love for each of you to take 40 minutes, whether you're here in your car, whether you're at home, uh, home at church. I would love you this week to take 40 minutes and listen to Ricky. So I've included that link on your app this morning. And I just really encourage you. It's the best thing I've heard. He's a black guy, great preacher, and he brings a unique perspective. And I'd love for everybody here to listen to it. So since part of my church goes to Ricky's church, I guess that makes him one of my associates, right? Is that true? Toby, you'll have to tell him that next time you see him. But, but it can't stop at just listening. Silence is not golden. We can't just listen. Love is not passive, but love takes action. There was an old song in the 60s, Silence is Golden. Anybody old enough to remember that song? Well, yeah. Silence is not golden. It is not golden. Silence is passive. Silence is not loving. So we need not just to listen, but we need to speak up. As individuals, as, as an individual of worship, you need to speak up. Make that your act of worship. You know, Jesus didn't stay silent. And Jesus didn't just speak, but Jesus took action. In Philippians 2, it talks about how Jesus took action for us. He didn't leave us dead in our sins, uh, languishing and anguishing. He didn't leave us alone to face death, but he took action. Philippians 2, it says, he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He humbled himself and he went to the cross. Jesus took action for us. And so if you want to be like Jesus, you got to take action for others. I'm asking myself the question these days because I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm asking myself the question, how can I take action? What can I do? How can I respond to my brother, to my sister who has lived through the pain, is living in the pain and the fear of racism? That's the question your pastor is asking himself. So to be like Jesus, to worship him, means that we actively oppose sin. We're not passive about sin. And right now, the sin that's being pointed out in our culture, in our world, is the sin of racism. It's not just here. It's everywhere, all around the world. I travel. I see it. It's everywhere. But right now, it's our black brothers and black sisters who are saying, please listen. Please listen to understand. Please learn from us. Please let us let you know what it's like to live in this world. And I think that to love people, it means that we've got to listen. We've got to speak. And then we've got to act. So for all of us, here's what I believe this means. I believe it means don't just sacrifice, but be the sacrifice. Be smoking hot for Jesus. Let your love for God, let your love for others burn you up. Give, it, give you this zeal. To live the love of Christ. Worship is deeply personal. Honor God with your body. Honor God with your life. People should see us and should smell us. We should smell good, like a good barbecue, man. We should smell like the fragrance of, you know, a New York steak on the Barbie. Unless you're a vegetarian, then some peppers for you. You know, but a good old piece of meat on the Barbie. We should smell good. And it goes without saying that we should be more than smoking hot right now for our brothers and sisters of color. This is our spiritual service of worship, to love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we see, point number one, that worship is profoundly personal. Then point number two, it doesn't stay just personal. Worship, worship is also wonderfully communal. It's wonderfully communal. That's why we're doing this today. You guys needed some commune. So we have a car commune here today. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
We are designed in our innermost being to commune together. We're built this way. We're one body. This is where our governor has missed the point of church. He has considered it a meeting or an event or something that you attend, and that's not church. It's only one tiny aspect of church. Church is who we are. We are the body of Christ. We're joined together by the Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful that he joins us in our homes through church online. I'm grateful that he joins us through horns and through cars and through worship. But let me tell you, there's nothing like being joined together in a room as we all worship Jesus together. And that day is coming back, brothers and sisters. We will be together again. Yes. So in the meantime, in the meantime, what do we do? We don't sit passively. We pick up the phone or we text somebody and we say, hey, we're now allowed five people. Did that have a zero on it? Was it five or 50? I can't remember. Uh, No, we're allowed five people. So let me invite you over for church. You call somebody up and you say, hey, come over to my house. Join me for church on Sunday. Call a friend. Call someone you love. Call someone you want to be with. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe they go to a different church. Call them up and say, hey, let's listen to your church this week. Next week, we'll listen to my church, and then we'll talk about the service. I mean, get creative, because I tell you, if you never break the barrier of inviting somebody that you know and love over for church, you will never break the barrier of racism as well. So it begins with our neighbors. It begins with those we love, and then we become better at loving others. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other. How do you do that? Well, you get together with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Worship. Worship is wonderfully communal. It requires for us to be together. There's a huge part missing without others. But we can do it in the meantime with just a few others. We don't have to have hundreds of others. That's where we're going. That's where we want to get to. But we can start with a few others. Now, many of you may not know this about me because I grew up in Linden. You would assume that I was, you know, one of the denominations. But my dad left his denomination before I was born. And my dad raised us in home church. It wasn't popular at the time. It's popular now. And we got together with another family called the Ten Clay family. We got together with Morris DeBoer and his family and several others through the years. But for the first 16 years of my life, that was my church experience. I rarely went to big church. All of the rest of my family was at a Reformed church. So Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas, I'd go with my Aunt Ramona and go to church, big church. But I was raised in small group, and I don't think I grew up that bad, did I? Did I turn out that horribly? I'm not going to say amen to that, you guys. Wait, was that for horrible or was that for good? I'm not sure. Horrible. Okay. But here's what I want to tell you. Church can be awesome at home. I know that because I grew up with that. Church can be awesome at home. I was talking to a guy the other day who they've already started home church, listening to our messages and getting together with a few other people. And he was saying, you know, Pastor Kurt, it's been so much fun. I don't know if we're coming back to big church. I said, that's great. You'll make room for somebody else to come, you know. And so some people are loving it. I just encourage you to try it. It's possibly going to be uh, another few weeks. I don't know. It might be a month, month or two before we get back. And so I'm just saying, let's do what we can do. Let's have church the way we can have church. 
Let's get together with other families. Let's be communal. Let's feed that need in us to get together with other people. You know, just this last weekend, I got together with some friends, had a great time of community, had a great time of just being together, sharing stories, laughing together. It was so filling and so wonderful. And I just encourage you to do that, but do that for church as well. Now, it's interesting, even though I grew up in home church, there was something that I found a little bit lacking just in the long term. And that's why I ended up back in big church. And it was the idea of corporate worship or or large group worship. There's something there that is so beautiful that is a picture of heaven that all kinds of people, friends, not friends, you know, different colors, different cultures. North County is that church. We've got all kinds of different folks at our church from different backgrounds and denominations. There's something beautiful when the Spirit of God brings, you know, different people together and unifies us through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through worshiping together. There's something beautiful that happens through this powerful thing we call corporate worship. And so I want to take a break from my message. I'm going to come back in a moment. But right now I want us to practice the communal the, the coming together, the, the oneness that we have through worship. And so whether you're here in your cars or whether you're at home in your home church, I want you to join your, ver- your voices, but not just your voices, join your hearts together with us as the band leads us in one song of worship. Then I'm going to come back and wrap us up.
and honk, clap and honk. Yes. All right, we're going to try that again. If you're at home, I want you to clap, clap, clap with me. If you're here, I want you to honk, honk, honk. Come on, let's worship him. Praise him. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, worship ultimately is together. We can't deny it. You know, we can worship Jesus on our own like John in the Isle of Patmos, but ultimately we are built to be together. Um, number three in your notes today says worship is ultimately together. Acts 2.46, they worshiped together. They worshiped together. At the temple each day, that's like big church. That's like going to big church and gathering all the crowds together at the temple. But then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So this word together is what I want to leave you with, with today. This is the DNA of the church. This is who we are as the church. It's not just what we do. It's not just a meeting we go to. It's not just an event that we attend. But this together, church by definition, is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Church is expressed when two or three are gathered in his name. Jesus says, there I am in the midst of you. That is church. There's power in the presence of God that happens through together worship or worship at the temple. One heart, one focus, one body, worshiping Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been missing, quite frankly. That's the angst that we feel. We want to get back to that together thing. Why? Because our hearts, our very beings are created to be joined together in worship of Jesus Christ. You know, I hope that we'll never again take for granted the privilege that we have of gathering for church. I pray that if nothing else, this has taught us this, that when we don't have big church, we miss big church. And I hope that, that we have learned a lesson through this. There's nothing more beautiful than the church gathered together from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, friends, this is the reality of heaven. And as we go out into our culture and we come into contact with, you know, the emotion and what's going on in our world today. And, and frankly, we're guarded a bit because we're not in the bigger cities. But still, as we go out, we're going to be confronted uh, with our culture and they're going to want to know um, the position we take as individuals, but also as a church. And our position is love. Our position is love. Our position is reconciliation. Our position is to be unified. Now, that doesn't mean we agree with everything that's going on out there. Not at all. But it means that we have a heart to hear and a heart to speak and a heart to act in love for a world that is hurting today. That's what worship looks like for us. This is the reality of heaven. This is what God wants his people to be. And this is what God wants his people to do. So let me sum up and we'll close with a song. Worship is profoundly personal. Never forget that. It's between you and God. Your life is a life of worship. What you do, how you respond is an act of worship. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is literally how you live your life and how you love your neighbor as yourself. Secondly, worship 
is wonderfully communal. We long for it. We want it. Look at, we've come here in cars today just to be together, you know? It's wonderfully communal. And as we share Christ together in our homes, it's wonderfully communal. And then finally, worship is ultimately together. Worship is together. And and brothers and sisters, we're going to be together again one day. And my heart longs for it. It yearns for it. But while we wait, let's do the best we can. While we wait, let's get out around our fires in our backyards. Let's worship together. I've been hearing some great reports from people who are just loving being together, worshiping, you know, uh, being in the word, praying for one another. Let's do that. Let's do that. We have the license to do that now. And then finally, worship is together, representing heaven, all tribes, all peoples, all nations, worshiping God with one heart and with one voice. Let's do that now as we close. Let's turn our hearts to him. And even though we're separated by car doors and windows or we're in our homes this morning, let's worship Jesus with one heart, one soul, one mind, and one body this morning. Let's worship him.